This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The NFL is here and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Derby defeat in the most painful of ways. We'll be chatting whether or not City have the juice to go on and win the title and reviewing what on earth that refereeing call was. It's Monday the 16th of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report Podcast. Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Um, obvious aside, Adam, how was your weekend? Um... Yeah, I, I don't think the obvious can be put aside. It has influenced <laughs> my whole weekend, uh, uh, especially because that game was at 4.30 a.m. for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I had some some work duties later on, so it wasn't the kind of thing that I could just go mm. right back to sleep and, and kind of sleep away the, the sorrow. Um, mm. So it has very much influenced my weekend. However... As we're recording this on Sunday morning, my my NFL team, the Vikings, play a, a playoff game in about five hours. Mm. Um, so that could potentially revive the weekend, or it could drive the final nail into my coffin. Yeah, I was going to say I I follow NFL in like the loosest of ways. I've probably watched the Super Bowl and some of the playoff games. I'm like the sort of person that an NFL fan would would hate, but. Minnesota Vikings, I'm right in saying they're a little bit like City in the sense of sort of perennial, uh, not this current City, but in previous years, like perennial failure is the sort of their their kink in a way. I think the best the best um, comparison would be modern day Tottenham. Right, right. Big club, yeah. hardcore local fan base, big stadium, 
super historic club and and so on and so forth. We are we're the NFL team that has the most regular season wins and NFL appearances without ever having or yeah. sorry and Super Bowl appearances without ever having won a Super Bowl. That is yeah. the record that we have to us. So, we're that team that big market, big hardcore fan base have had some incredible teams, many players in the NFL Hall of Fame, but we have never crossed that one final threshold. And who is it you play in? This this game's already happened by the time it's out, so it's it's pointless chatting about yes. it. But is it is it Buffalo Bills? Have I read that right? Oh, no, no that New, the, that New, York Giants. New York Giants. New York Giants. Giants. Yes, Buffalo Bills are the other team who have never won the playoffs. Am I right? Uh, so I don't think they won. They won three. They were, they lost three in a row yeah, in like the eighties. Yeah. I want to say, and that was yeah. kind of their heyday. But they're they're uh, definitely one of the favorites this year. Yeah. Yeah, I had a piece to write about the NFL last week, and that's where all this this pointless knowledge is coming from. But um, myself, I, I obvious aside, had a really good weekend food wise. Friday night, me and the missus went out for food at Wanago Street Food uh, and Bar in West Didsbury. For any Greater Manchester people, it was this lovely. I had a lovely tofu ramen bowl. Uh, Charlotte had some. I think it was chicken south korean chicken bao buns and that that was great followed it up saturday night nursing that that result which we'll get onto in a second made some mee garang which is like this sort of like indonesian noodle dish it, it sort of turned Oof. in a, yeah it, it was it was really it was dead messy and sticky and just like everything you wanted from a, a, a sort of stir-fried noodle dish it was great so apart from the football it, it was perfect weekend but obviously the football ruined the weekend and let's start with it um Everyone came for this. Everyone wants us to to talk about this straight away. Seventy eighth minute. I'm trying to block it from my mind. I just can't. I struggle sleeping um, for the last couple of nights thinking about it. But I think it was the seventy eighth minute. Marcus Rashford bursting through on goal, quite clearly offside. Manchester City one 0 up at Old Trafford. Out of nowhere, Bruno Fernandez pops up and scores. Take the shackles off, Adam. Just go for it. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rant and rave and scream and pout. I'm going to be logical about this. I mean, it's it's a clear, clear, clear decision for me if I were to look at that as a referee. Mm. Um, you know, the it's confusing because we've seen kind of a different different set of laws kind of bounced around all online. We've seen the IFAB laws. We've seen the FA's laws. We've seen the PGMOL's mm. laws. Um but when it comes down to it, it's one of those those laws that just needs to be governed with common sense. And the common sense tells you that Marcus Rashford fully interferes with the play. Um, you know, I, I put a tweet out, you know, showing a picture of of when he's kind of dummying to shoot and kind of listing all of the things that he's affecting. Akanji getting to the ball, um, yeah. Akanji doubling up on Fernandez with Walker. Ederson coming out and, and sweeping the ball clear. Ederson focusing on Fernandez as a potential um, a potential shooter. Um, so, yeah, it's just so clear. Like it's the most bizarre decision. And you know, there's been back and forth on whether or not they went to VAR or if the VAR had a look at it and decided to to not tell the referee. Um, you know, to go to the monitor. We were talking in our group chat with a couple other Americans who obviously made the NFL comparison where in the playoffs and, and in certain p- parts of the game in the final two minutes of every game, every scoring play is reviewed. So every mm-hmm. single scoring play, they have a look at it up in the booth, check to make sure it's all good. If it's not all good, 
they you know they give a shout to the referee he goes to the sideline looks at it on the monitor and and makes his decision or changes it or keeps it feels like that contentious of a decision it has to be looked at if you've got first of all a very big game at the top of the league it's a one goal game it's in the last 15 minutes of the game and the decision is contentious enough that no matter which way you give it, both teams are going to completely circle you like sharks and be screaming mm-hmm. at you as a referee. Clearly, this, the decision is contentious enough. You need a couple extra looks at it. Mm. You've, got, you've got the monitor there as a safety valve. Use it. That's what it's for. It's, it's there for you, who's not very good at your job. We know this about Premier League referees. They're horrible. They don't get invited to the World Cups for a reason. They rarely get Champions League duty for a reason. They're some of the worst in Europe. See, I'll, I'll jump in there because I, I kind of disagree with that. And I think this is the perfect example of it. Now, Stuart Atwell, for me, isn't one of the best referees. I don't know why he was given a game of that magnitude. City United today, uh, sorry, today, it was a couple of days ago, wasn't it? We're not even recording it on the same day. Uh, City United on Saturday was was probably, as was Bill, the biggest Manchester derby in a number of years. United, like it or not, even if they'd been beaten, they're in a title challenge. They're certainly in a title challenge now, and I don't think it helps anyone sort of burying the heads and saying they're not. However, you can talk about the, the appointment of Stuart Atwell. For me, it, it needed a Michael Oliver. It needed uh, even an Anthony Taylor. And I know there's qualms there. I, I actually don't think when he's done big City games, he's been that bad, which is uh, probably says more about me. But I actually think the referees in England are okay. I think there's a lot that they can improve on. I think there's plenty of, like I said, room for improvement. The issue that I think has been pointed out with this is the application and the the IFAB laws and how they are operating. Because in the World Cup, there was I think there were two English referees there, and the games they did were, were some of the better ones. We saw the calamitous decisions from. Um, I'm trying to think of, of a couple. I think there was an American referee in there, an MLS referee, and it was a Brazilian one. Um, there's, there's a few others, and you go like that is a wild decision. The English refs did all right because the the FIFA laws are, are wildly different to the to the English one. So um, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think as we saw here, it was the it was the application of it, and like you say. Not not going to the monitor. He could have stuck with the decision. And even at that point, you go, right, you're wrong. But you had another look at it and you use VAR in the right way. To, 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 to have the conversation, to overrule the assistant, by the way, who had the best view, he was side on, as, as assistant referees are, he was side on, he had the best view, he caught a replay. He flagged eventually, which I think Guardiola pointed out in his press conference in the first half. There was a couple of marginal offsides for Phil Foden where he flagged straight away. So there was a, there was a discrepancies there immediately, which I think we, we need to point out. But, you know, he, he, he did the right thing. He said it was offside. If you're running towards the ball, if you're chasing 30 yards for the ball, you're interfering, like full stop. Nobody needs us to say that. Um it was the it was what followed with the conversation, the the harassment from the United players. I think Guardiola again. I'll run through some co- quotes in a second uh, after I've handed it back over to you. But he said it's Old Trafford. We knew where we were playing. Their players bought the goal, and I think that's absolutely spot on. I even saw Adam Crafton, who's a, a fantastic journalist and an outspoken United fan, saying, "Yeah, that that." That was the players who got that goal given. It's so painfully obvious. I don't understand why there's discourse around it, debating it. Just go, yeah, it was a terrible decision and move on. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. And and obviously we saw Arsenal get get fined by the FA this week for their their behavior surrounding referees. 
this is something that referees need to take a stand with. I don't know if you saw, I can't think of his name at the moment. There was a, a German referee who mostly does um, Zweite Liga games in this, the okay. second division in Germany, um, basically saying that at least in Germany, the laws need to be written so that they have the uh, ability to send any player off that gets in their face and you know is, yeah. is yeah. cursing at them and shouting at them and so on and so forth. And that the referees need to have, basically they need to be the most powerful man on the pitch. They, they, they have the influence. They are not to be influenced. Um, I also saw randomly online this week in in rugby where they had a referee mic'd up with the players and oh, all yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the players were responding to the referee with yes, sir, and no, sir. I, I mean, ima- imagine that, that for far, No, I don't but, think we need to go that but the far. point being that the point being that the referees have to be the ones that have the influence. And I'm not just saying this as a city fan yeah. who's angry about the result. I wouldn't want city to be acting this way either. Mm. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, want I don't want us to get a contentious decision because we've surrounded the ref and shouting in his face and shouting in some rand poor linesman's face. Mm. Um, I think that's scummy, scummy behavior. Uh, and and. You know, City obviously did it right afterwards, but they they felt aggrieved. So the the decision is obvious. It was it was the wrong decision. Mm. Um, the best the best look at it that I could that I could see was somebody posted a, a, a picture of the incident on Twitter, and they removed Rashford from it. They photoshopped Rashford <laughs> yeah. out of it, and you could see just how painfully obvious it was that Rashford physically impedes mm. the play. Akanji can come and sweep up the ball, as I said. You can see that Ederson is shaped up and and you know focused on Rashford and his dummy of the shot instead of focused on on Fernandez, who's sweeping in and eventually scores. So, you know, I I rarely have seen a decision, such a contentious decision, get such unanimous and universal one-sided responses online from from ex-players apart from one section of full-grown adults who need to look themselves in the mirror pull the clown mask off of their face they know (laughs) they know who they are they know who they are if your tribalism runs so deep that you actually view that as a good goal Mm. you need to you need to reevaluate some things in your life but as far as um logically thinking people I've never seen such universal no. and unanimous kind of togetherness on on how poor a decision was. Well, and it says everything, doesn't it? Considering how contentious refereeing decisions have been, not only this season, but for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years, you know, going back to the start of the the, the football itself. Um, I'm going to run through, to finish off on this segment, I'm going to run through some, um, some tweets Mike Manai did, obviously, of BBC Radio Manchester. And... Full disclaimer, my head fell off completely. We'll speak about the performance in the second part. But when that decision happened, I I lost it for the rest of the day, if I'm being completely honest. I couldn't concentrate on anything. Mike and I did a fantastic job, an an esteemed professional, at cutting through the sort of the malaise, the nonsense, and and providing some actual sort of news on it. So he he starts off by saying, Nathan Ake, who who spoke to BBC Radio Manchester afterwards, saying, very frustrating. I think from my point of view, he's interfering with play. Our goalkeeper defenders because he's still there when Fernando sh- uh, Fernando Fernando shoots the referee doesn't give it we lost our way a little bit afterwards we'll bookmark that and we'll speak about that in part two um, 
Let's see what else has he said. To clarify, flag goes up on Bruno goal. Ref then discusses with official and wants no touch. That's interference with Rashford is agreed on. The on-field decision is goal. VAR, and this is a, an important bit, VAR can't see a clear and obvious error in on-field decision, so goal stands. Howard Webb has set the bar high. Um, and then another quote Who is that? From, who, who, uh, who's that? This Did was, you say this a was, certain Howard Webb was the one behind the decisions here? Oh, no, no. Howard Webb, uh, now the chief of PGM MOL, who's, who's given a new in, uh, directive that VAR shouldn't be interfering with sort of just the, the, the like little bits. So, so how, when he says Howard Webb, he means Howard Webb has told the Premier League. I'm cracking a Howard Webb is God's greatest United fan joke well, here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great day for the resurfacing of the Howard Webb memes in a United shirt. Um, Akanji then, for the last little bit, he runs 30 metres, he's chasing the ball. Uh, Akanji says, he, you know, it's clear interference. And I think that's that's the, the part of it, isn't it? I, I think Peter Chet tweeted in the, in the midst of it saying, further proof, those who make the rules have no idea how to play football. And, and that's, I think, what we can take away from it. If this can be used for anything, for me... As frustrating as it would be, because it was the same for Lorente in the Champions League quarterfinal in 2018-19 with the handball. Let's use this as a watershed to go, no, actually, it's not fit for purpose. For me, in the VAR era in the Premier League, this could possibly be the worst ever decision. The worst ever decision, refereeing decision we've ever seen. Because, like you said at the start, it's there for a comfort blanket. You shouldn't be getting this if VAR is in operation. Hopefully, I want this to be a watershed moment for them to sit down with in, uh, with uh, consultation from players who've played the game at the highest of levels and go, you know what, this this rule doesn't work. How can we make it work? And how can we add that sort of, I don't know, leeway? So you can look at that and, like you said at the top, use your common sense to, to come to the right decision. I mean this with the utmost respect to gym teachers, but referees are like the gym teachers of football, aren't they? <laughs> PE teachers they just, for the UK just, listeners. Yes, they just want to be involved, but yeah. don't actually have the talent to be involved at the highest level. Yeah. So they, you know, they they school a bunch of kids in sixth grade. They they put on their their LeBron James sneakers and they play basketball <laughs> with a bunch of seven year olds and they yeah. just make all the rules for themselves. That's what it feels like. Referees are. I feel like they. We certainly know some referees that go on power trips. Oh, um, wow, yeah. Not, not only in England, villains. but but in Spain and Germany and such. So. Um, but yeah, I fully agree that is that's by far the worst decision of the VAR era. I'd hesitate to say that it's the worst decision I've seen, at least in such a big occasion with so many eyes on the game um, in my life watching football. Yeah, yeah. For how much of an influence it has, it doesn't come in garbage time. I think we're going to speak about this in a minute. It, it directly impacts the result. I think it directly leads to the second mm. goal. Um you know, this didn't make it 4-1. Um, mm. It was consequential. So, yes, extremely, extremely. Yeah. Right, rants over. Um, as always on this podcast, we'll try and provide a little bit of insight into what we think happened in the sort of in, in the match itself. We'll go through that in part two in just a moment. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Right, let's break this down. Um, I was shocked and surprised, actually, at full time when I was going through Twitter at the response to City's performance because Adam, you and I after the Southampton game, we let loose, gloves are off, we battered into the City performances and the, and the current situation. We called out Pep Guardiola in a sort of amicable sense saying, you know, something needs to change. We weren't saying Pep out, uh, not yet anyway, but after the United game, I sat back and went, I was happy with that. 
I think what, and I know you're in agreement here, I think the, the decision we've just spent 10, 15 minutes speaking about directly influenced the second goal. If that goal comes in, let, let's say United score, let's say Rashford's on side and he puts it away himself. If that goal comes in sort of quote-unquote normal circumstances, we'll never know. City could have collapsed. But I don't think it's the, the manner of the performance we see after that goal. I see people linking it to Real Madrid. I've seen people linking it to sort of Liverpool Champions League games in the past where City, and I agree, do have a tendency under Guardiola at times to just have these like 10, 15 minutes moments of madness. I think that was anything but. I think any team in world football from, I don't know, uh, Bracknell Town in non-league to Real Madrid themselves have that in them after that's happened. I fully agree. I think there's a completely different psychological element to conceding a goal in normal circumstances, as you say, versus com- conceding a goal in a way that's completely out of your control. You know, mm-hmm. the Re- the Real Madrid game, it's in City's control and they collapse. They have the ability to mark their runners. They have the ability to make big saves. They have the ability to make headed clearances. In this situation, it's not in your control. I mean... Mm. Can you can you mark <laughs> Rashford better? Can you you know step up quicker they, they, they and, and make the, it more the, the, yeah, exactly? I'm, I'm trying they, they, I'm trying yeah, to play devil's mean. advocate, and it's basically you, impossible. Yeah. It, which is my point right that you, that you can't you can't like you can't play that situation any better than they did. Yeah. Um, we were having this discussion afterwards that any human doesn't matter how high level of an athlete they are any human is going to drop their heads after that. And and the collapse that comes from that, I think is directly influenced, if not just fully on the, on the, on the, on the shoulders of that decision. So um, I don't look at that and say city have collapsed. This is a, a psychological issue. I think the mm-hmm. psychological issue comes from conceding a goal that is completely out of their control. And let's look at the bigger picture here. City aren't playing well lately. They didn't play all that well in the game. They played well in the second half. Mm. They've had a horrible first half, I'd say, as far as individual performances go. The system as a whole, I was happy with. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But they're desperate for form. They're desperate to get themselves, you know, a stranglehold back in the the title race. And, And... to have control in the game, to be playing well at the at the home of your biggest rivals who are, are red hot winners of age straight, and you've got the one nil lead, you've got 15 minutes left, to concede that way in a way that, like I said, is completely out of your control. I don't think there's a team on earth, I don't think there's a team that's ever existed that doesn't lose a little bit of steam from that. Mm, yeah. And maybe they lost too much steam. Maybe maybe the the deflation was, was too much. Um, but either way, I don't think there's a team on earth that recovers from that. No, no, me neither. Um, I, 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 like even myself. I, I was at home watching the game. I had an opportunity to go in the morning. I've got offered a spare ticket, but I agreed to work later on in the day. Which at, didn't at this didn't point, have a good enough hazmat suit to go in there. Yeah, well, exactly. At this point, it seems like it was a wise decision. Um, I, I wasn't thinking that at, when Jack Grealish put City up one nil. By the way, but at, at full time, I was thinking, yeah, God, it, it would have been a painful, painful viewing. But I, at the point of the story is, I was sat at home, and usually when I'm watching the game at home. I very rarely, bar maybe sending a tweet or a message and then I put it straight down, I very rarely go on my phone. When that decision happened, and I said we'd leave it alone, but it's so consequential, like we mentioned, it's it's the main talking point, it's what this game hinges on. When the decision happened, when the United equaliser was given, I didn't go off my phone. My head didn't leave that sort of, that scrolling and just looking for sort of, have have I missed something here? Am I this sort of... uh, 
poorly versed on football that for some reason I see this as a scandal and other people see it as acceptable. Um, and then I didn't even see how the second goal came about. Obviously, I went back and had a look and they showed replays and stuff like that. And, you know, decent goal. Uh, Ganacho came on, played well for United. Rashford's in form of his life, looking like the best player in the Premier League at the moment. I just don't, I can't for a second bring myself to criticise City having done so for the last couple of weeks because I just, I genuinely think City go on to win that game. Maybe they don't, maybe it's 1-1, maybe United come back and win anyway. You know, City have had the wobbles in recent weeks, they've looked vulnerable, but from that sort of turgid first half where De Bruyne was struggling to put a pass together and I took so much stick online from City fans for, for daring criticise Kevin De Bruyne. Obviously, he comes out in the second half, he's looking back to his best, Jack Grealish comes on. And and even still, like the, the painful part is the fact that Grealish doesn't have that moment now. And again, you know, he may not have had that moment, United could have scored, but there's so many elements to this game which are just sort of dependent on that. And I thought City... Did their job. United have been heralded, and I don't know what you've made of this. Um, I don't know if you've had time to sort of take it in. The Sunday papers have been heralding United as being back as the. I think one uh, one labelled it as the the change of the sands or something like that, or or, or the the sort of the changing of the guards in Manchester. That result, despite the decision, indicated the change of the guards. I thought United were average at best. They had a game plan, and and, and I've actually been surprised how pragmatic Ten Hag has been since he arrived at United. But they had a game plan to sit deep. They obviously were looking to counter-attack City in the first half. Lapse concentration, poor passes, individual mistakes allowed them to do that, specifically down the side. But that's always been the case for City. Perhaps we could talk about Kyle Walker and his his, um, decrease in level of performances, but in his 30s and one of his main traits has been his pace. It's to be expected. That's a wider issue. Second half, City come out, they control the ball, they get the ball, they pen United back, they start to create chances. Is it an issue that City aren't getting as many shots on targets? Of course it is. I think I saw something saying this season City have averaged 18 and they've had something like one shot on target in the last 180 minutes, which is a big issue. But they get the goal and from the moment the goal goes in to United scoring the equaliser, I was so content. I was calm. I was thinking, you know what, this is this is what we expect from City. This is what we've seen from City. Obviously, the bombshell happens, and I, I don't think you're ever going to recover from that. No, I totally agree. And and funny enough, I I think that there was no difference between this United performance and the way that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer used to set them up against us. No, no. They they sat deep. They had a bunch of pace up top, and they would just try to hit balls over the top of City's back four. And it works when you've got players as quick as Rashford and and mm. as tricky as Martial. Um, as far as City's performance on a whole, let's start from the very beginning because the lineups and the systems have been such a topic on this show and, and basically on any city related podcast or, um, or, you know, media platform. Um, the lineup was what we wanted. The mm-hmm. setup was what we wanted. It looked like the old city. We had wide fullbacks. We had Rodri, you know, running things in the middle. We had, we had wingers, you know, one, one inverted winger and one wide winger and the runs, the triangles out wide, it all looked like City. And and the individual execution wasn't there. But I, I said this on Twitter that, you know, these players have had a new role, a new system every 25 minutes, every 45 minutes since the start of the World Cup. And it's going to take them a while to get into any yeah. sort of rhythm, especially if you're constantly chopping and changing and tinkering. And the reason, you know, I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, 
the, the, the NHL comparison with being in the cycle where you know where your teammates always are and you can make all of your passes with a blindfold on. That's what City used to look like. The, the system was the same every week because it worked and it got the best out of all of our individual players. And, and we saw that system again, but it's been so long that these players have played in what was once a comfortable role. It took them time to get back up to speed. We've got a lot of players out of form. We saw that in the first half. And the second half comes out and it looks a lot better. They're creating more. Um, I'm not worried about the one shot on goal because I do want to give a lot of credit to Wambasaka. Veron, Shaw, and and Malassia. I thought I thought United's back four on the day was incredible, like truly incredible. Um, and you know that that helps stopping City from from getting shots on goal. Um, apart from the result, I I took a lot of positives from this, and I think mm. that for Pep, he learned a lesson because he went yeah. back to what is comfortable and what the players know how to do. And despite there being individual mistakes and, and individual, you know, mispasses and just kind of poor performances, everything looked right again. And you can say, you know, with, with the runs being made and the system that we're playing, if my players are back in form and playing in that setup, it's going to get the best out of them. And I hope that's what happens going forward. Um, we'll see what happens, you know, against Tottenham later in the week. But I think if we go there with that same mindset that we have going into United to, to get back to doing the things that we do, get back to the basics of, of Pep Guardiola's Manchester city football, then, then there is a, there is a route to a successful season. There is mm. because players will come back into form. They'll get into a rhythm. But if we go back to this tinkering and say, Oh, the, the result didn't go our way. We've got to fix something again. We were vulnerable over the top. We got to put another seven center backs on the pitch. <laughs> then we go back to the same inconsistency, inconsistency we've seen since the World Cup. We'll go back to needing moments of, of individual brilliance to 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 win games, and we'll win one and and lose two, and draw another and win another two. And that's that's how the season will go. But if we if we get back to the basics and stick to the basics, there's still a route to a successful season. Should we bounce? Should we get out of there? I think we've put the world to rights. It was. I often find it's somewhat cathartic after an, a, a, something like that that's happened, a, an incident like that or a game like that, and hopefully the listeners feel that way too. Um, this week, for full disclaimer, obviously no midweek game until Thursday, so we might do a listener question special probably Wednesday. Um, we've not done one of them for a while. So if you've got any questions, feel free to DM us, feel free to at us, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I don't know. Send us an email as well if you want, if you're that way inclined. But um, other than that, Adam, anything else to add? No, Skull Vikings. That's all I can say. Although <laughs> well, I'm, could the, the result the... will be out. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there's a little thing. You go and go and harass Adam if the if the Vikings lose. Um, I'll, right, I'll okay. say it this way. I'll say it this way. I'll see you back on Monday and Tuesday to talk about the Vikings' next matchup next weekend. <laughs> Ooh, there's a bold shout. Um, right, okay, we'll get out of here then. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? 
at participating restaurants only 18 and plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.